Hi guys, this is Tyler from The Whole Equestrian, and I just want to introduce you to a very special bonus episode of The Whole Equestrian. If you haven't seen it yet, Emily and I were featured in USCA's Featured Clinician Series, sponsored by Strider. Now, Natasha, the COO of Strider, sat down with us to interview us for the article, and we thought it would be really fun to record that interview so you guys could kind of get a behind-the-scenes take on all the information that we shared there. So, um... Here's that conversation. We hope you check out the article. We hope you check out striderpro.com and thanks for all your love and support. You know, just sort of discuss your riding backgrounds and how you came to begin the whole equestrian together um, and sort of the abridged version of that. Okay. Um, well, Tyler's pointing at me, so I guess that means I'll go first. Um, um, how, how deep do you want to go? I, let's, let's start at the beginning, but I'll give you like a condensed version. Um, perfect. I I started riding when I was eight, got my first horse when I was 10. Um, one thing led to another, my family bought a small farm. So I was able to grow up on that from like 11, 12 ish on. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, um, was able to teach lessons. I started teaching lessons when I was a freshman in high school and had some sales horses and did all that sort of stuff. Um, I went to college and got a business degree, but in the process, I ended up doing some working student positions and my first working student position was for Courtney Cooper and I learned a lot there. It was, um... You learn how to work hard, um, but there's also, she taught me some really good business things, like I think that's probably what I got out of it the most, Um, and yeah, so I did that, ended up moving to Kentucky for a good job offer, taught lessons, trained horses there for a lot of years, Um, then I had some nice upper level horses and I didn't really have a coach to help me bring them along the way that I wanted. Um, so I got connected with Philip in Aiken one winter and, um, just started taking lessons with him. When I moved back to Kentucky, he started clinicking at the farm I was at. So that was great. And then, um, I had like my situation there changed a little bit. Philip offered me a job. I moved to Pennsylvania and yeah, that's where I am. And I don't see myself leaving anytime soon. So, <laughs> and, but if I'm not mistaken, you now are your own entity I, or do you yes, still, I am my okay. own entity. So, um, I started my own business in April so congratulations very new right very new but you know why not start a business during a pandemic um (laughs) so that's what i did and it's going really well i have some really great students and horses um and i'm still based out of phillips farm which is really nice and i work for him occasionally when he's gone i get to ride his horses, which is great because then I'm still getting to sit on some amazing horses, um, but then have the flexibility of doing my own thing. So, yeah, that's awesome. And how cool that you like used to work for him and he has supported you, you know, 
in as much as you've like felt comfortable to go out on your own. You know, I don't think that that's everybody's experience in the horse world that (laughs) they work for someone, they learn from someone. And then it, it turns out that they can operate out of their farm. You know, there's, there's so much like, I think it's more in dressage than in eventing for sure, but there's Mm -hmm. so much like, well, now I've made you good and you're going to steal my clients. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Philip has anything to worry about. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but we just, we have a good working relationship. And so, um, you know, I've been in Pennsylvania working for him and then, you know, at his farm for almost five years. It'll be five years in the fall. So, um, he's always been really supportive and yeah. I, I, I'm very fortunate that way, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it sounds like you've worked your tail off for it, so. Yes, there is a lot <laughs> of that that happened along the way. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Tyler, I think, like, right when I got to Ocala was right when your guys' horse was missing for a few days, because I remember, like, driving around and sort of looking with a friend of mine. Yeah. And that must have been <laughs> That was literally, like, one of the most insane weeks of my life. There was one point where we thought that the horse had, like, run into this pond that was in our next-door neighbor's property. And they said, they were like, oh my god, like, that pond's, like, quicksand. If she went in there, like, she must have just sunk to the bottom. So they brought a thermo camera out, like a drone that read thermo readings, and there was this big hot spot in the freaking pond and they go they go that kind of looks like it could be your horse so we borrow like Matt Flynn was our across the street neighbor we borrow his canoe and I get in a canoe to go into this swamp that's literally like it's so full of these thick grass that I'm using all of my energy to like canoe into the swamp to see if I can find a dead horse in this like swamp thank god she wasn't in there we found her like three days later but it was like so many crazy things happened that week and we were horse showing at ocala so it was like how are we supposed to horse show and find our lost horse and it was crazy wow wow (laughs) just wow that's all like (laughs) nuts Uh. (sighs) oh my god uh, well, how did uh, how did you get to that point, I guess? How did I get to yeah. look canoeing through to look for my potentially dead horse in a swamp? Uh, let me tell you about it. <laughs> um, so I started riding when I was five in summer camps, and I was actually quite a timid young rider. Like, I had the one horse that I wanted to ride every time I was there. It was Pepe. It was, like, the first horse that they put me on, and I... I did not want to ride a single other horse but this one that they put me on. I remember one day my parents told me, they dropped me off at camp and they are like, we're going to this thing today, like, we really, like, if you need us, today is the day, like, you can't need us. And of course, (laughs) that was the day that they put me on a horse other than Pepe, so I lost it. And I made my parents come to pony camp to pick me up because I wasn't riding Pepe. Uh, you sound like my worst nightmare for you. <laughs> I feel like 
yeah, definitely, like, so, some part of me, like, in some part of my horse career, I really did want to be a riding professional, but I think that experience, like, from my childhood, I've always been kind of a one-horse kind of rider. Like, I, I want to have my one horse that I like and do things with, and, like, the pressure of having other horses to ride and train that's, like, I don't care if you don't like it, like, off the bat, like, you have to learn to like it was never really my cup of tea. So that's how I've kind of come into grooming. Um, a, part, a, a whole lot of other things happened along the way, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I rode for a really long time. As soon as I could start mucking stalls to get extra lessons, I was, and um, just kind of went from there. I was 14 years old, and I was like, I, I want to do horses for the rest of my life. My dad goes, well, let's look into colleges. And um, I found the University of Findlay, which had an equestrian program where you were in the barn as a class for three hours a day, like college credit. And I was like, there just can't be anything better. So I went ahead and graduated high school a year early just so that I could get to college. Then I went to college, went to my first working student job, realized how cool being a working student was, didn't really want to go back to college, but my parents kind of convinced me that I needed the degree to fall back on, so I did college in three years too, just so that I could get out, get into the industry. Um, and then I worked a couple different working student jobs before moving to Pennsylvania, which I actually moved to Pennsylvania to be a vet tech and a groom for Dr. Kevin Keene. Um, and then after doing that job for about a year and a half, I got connected with Jenny and I've been there ever since just over a year now. Um, but things are going really well and, um, we've got some really nice horses and yeah, it's been super exciting and hope to do great things grooming for her. Oh, it sounds like you already have done a lot of awesome <laughs> things grooming for her, but yeah. that's really, that's really awesome. Um, and where did you grow up? I grew up um, in, like, Columbia, Maryland area, so it's, like, halfway okay. in between D.C. and Baltimore. Yeah. Um, the yeah. closest eventing farm, which it was Waradaka, which hosted events, and that's actually where I had my uh, first working student job because I, I, I didn't really want to uh, quite leave my high school friends yet. I was pretty young, obviously, having graduated um, high school a year early, so it was kind of the best of both worlds where I could you know, drive 20 minutes to work every day, but still live at home. And um, yeah. I didn't get the full working student experience right off the bat, but. Right, right. It's kind um, of and Emily, where did you grow up? I grew up in rural Wisconsin. So a little town called Keel. That was where I spent the majority of my youth. I, you know, started off when I was really young. I lived in Milwaukee, but then due to my parents, like switching jobs, um, moved to a very rural town. So, wow. yeah, it was, um, had its perks, but proximity <laughs> to like good riders and events were, you know, that was a bit of an issue, but, um, I figured out how, <laughs> how to ride in spite of that. And I did actually yeah. have a really good instructor growing up. I was lucky to find her, but um, we had to do a lot of travel to get to events, that was for sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, okay, and then how did you guys become friends and start the whole equestrian and come up with the idea to educate people through your clinics? 
You know, there's kind of just this weird thing about being a horse person in Chester County that, like, you see the other horse people that, like, are in your circle. There's so many, like, pods of barns, and um, Emily and I just happened to be in the same pod when I moved to Chester County. I was working for Kevin. She was working for Philip. We saw each other all the time, and, you know, you you work so much that that ends up being your social circle, too. Um, so we didn't know each other, like, too terribly well until Emily was getting married and planning her wedding, and, um, she needed someone to groom Barry for her wedding photos, and I was like, well, I'm a groom, and I had weekends off being a vet tech, so I... (laughs) Uh, groomed up Barry, braided him, brought he him phenomenal, up, by the way. Brought him over for the wedding photos, and um, you want to tell the fun story? Yeah, about okay. That? I also the one where I fall off Barry. Yeah, that one. So Emily's husband PJ really wanted to get on Barry bareback at uh, like for his wedding photos, but nobody had ever been on Barry bareback before. <laughs> so. Emily's like, I don't know if that's a good idea. I was like, well, I'll just test it out, see how it goes before PJ gets on him in his wedding clothes. Well, it was a no-go on the bareback photos because Barry reared straight up, and I was, like, in the ground immediately. Thank God we caught Barry because he he is not easy to catch. But I was like, and that is why we didn't do that. But, yeah. It's a good story. Uh, but yeah, Emily and I just kind of became close, and I, I I have always done a lot of reading, and like one of my ways of connecting with people is sharing some of my favorite books, so I had a few like positive psychology mindset books that I ended up sharing with Emily. She's like, this stuff is really good, and uh, you know, we just always talked about doing something together. And... Yeah, and then it really came together when... We had this goal-setting night. Was that in 2018? It was. Yeah, it was okay. in 2018. Or is it 2019? No. Yeah, it was 20... It was 20... Yeah, the first day okay. of 2019, first I guess. First day of 2019, we had... I just, like, really wanted to do this goal-setting night with all the girls from the barn, so we all sat down, had fun paper and, like, markers and stickers, and, like, wrote... 19 goals for 2019 everybody had to write their own and then read them and stuff and I think um Tyler and I were definitely the most excited about it um but everybody else played along but we got like really amped and (laughs) so we just carried that on to the next day and I was like I don't even know how it started. I think we were just like, we need to like tell people about like how, like how you can take control of your life and like make changes and stuff. And like, we, we talked about all these concepts of like mindset, fitness, nutrition, community. We took a a walk in Hitchcock woods together and that's where we came up with our tagline, bridging the gap between riding Mm -hmm. and wellness, because like, we just feel like there's such a gap, like in the horse industry, if not, especially in the eventing industry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) And it's cool that it's so, it's so young, but it seems like, I don't know, it seems like it's, it's such a natural thing. And it's been, it's grown so much in the short time that you've been doing it because it's, it's so needed in the industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And so what are, I guess that leads very nicely to the next question. What are your goals for the whole equestrian and your work together um, beyond just the fact that like, it's fun to hang out and do this stuff and help people. (laughs) I mean, that is definitely like a a big part of it. I think that's mostly why we do it currently. Like we want to get 
kind of the word out there. And I think more people are, like, buying into the whole, like, it's not just about riding. It's about all the other aspects of your life. Um, but I, I, we just want to continue to grow it and get the message out there. And it would be nice if, I don't know, someday we could figure out how to make our podcast um, a little more widespread I guess. yeah I guess I don't know I and I too think that um when I was a working student at my first working student job I felt like there were times where you know like there was no one telling me that I needed to like speak up for myself and no one telling me that I needed to take care of myself and like that led me to a point of burnout that almost made me leave the industry but I'm stubborn and strong-willed so I didn't but <laughs> being able to provide a resource to people that really want to make good things happen in this industry and really make it a healthy place to be and like you know health and happiness through our love of horses like that's that's our mission um and whatever capacity we can do it in if it's you know one listener takes one thing away from one episode that we we do like for me that's enough um yeah just just making people feel like they can work through things and and pursue a life in this industry that's not necessarily the overwork burnout side. Right. Right. Yeah. Um I think that's so important. I have working studented for many people and there's there's so much of the like you have to stay humble, you have to keep working hard, right? But like how do you know what the line is? And I so wish that something like your podcast had existed when I was doing my first working student job where I was like, Oh yeah, it's cool. I'll work like, you know, seven days a week for months and months and months. And I'll do all this weird grunt work for you. That makes me miserable and, you know, not take care of myself. Yeah. Um, because that's what, that's what you're supposed to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what you're told. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you should, there is part of it, you know, obviously you have to start somewhere and you just have to suck it up and do some of the stuff, but then there's always that line, you know, and it's, yeah, knowing when it's okay to be working that hard and also when you need to like back off and, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, so I guess I want to know a little bit about the clinics that you guys do specifically. I think this, the one that's coming up in, is it November, is going to be sort of the second official whole equestrian clinic that you're doing together. So maybe speak a little bit about the format of that and and what you expect from the riders who show up and what they can expect um, and how that all goes. So the clinic is September 12th and 13th, and that's in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, and so that'll, this is our second clinic, but both of our clinics have been in Wisconsin. Um, so clearly we like um, the cheese heads or something. Um, so it's also where I grew up, so I have a lot of connections. And so I think that that was a really easy way to get in there. Um, but we're doing it at a different farm this time and yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it. I think we're hoping to get a different group of people, but also some people that did our last clinic too. Um, Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and it's so it's structured a little bit differently than like just a straight riding clinic would be. Um, we have a morning session where we go through um, concepts related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. So um, I have a lot. I actually did a separate clinic series um, on my own before we kind of got the whole equestrian clinic together that was like a little mental toughness um, for riders series. So I incorporated some of those lectures. Um, I'm working towards my doctorate in sports psychology. So just really incorporating like the mental side of riding off the ground because I think it is really important for riders to take time to work on things like that outside of the saddle. Um, and then uh, Emily's working on some yoga teacher certification, so she'll take everyone through um, an hour-long yoga session. We um, we make we'll a do some meditation, yep, meditation. After, after that um, to close out the yoga session, and then we always have like a healthy lunch, which is fun, and we try to talk about like during the lunch, um, just I guess how to create a balanced diet of sorts for equestrians and especially if you're working in the barn like figuring out how to make sure that you're like eating properly throughout the day um I, and I just say for people that work in the barn because like we know the struggle there but obviously yeah. wherever you work it's important to to keep yourself fueled properly but we discuss that stuff a little bit and then after lunch, we break off into groups, and I start teaching the riding, and Tyler does private mental toughness training, right? Wow. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can I come? I might fly to Wisconsin. You yeah. should. It'd be so fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome. So it's really, it's really comprehensive. It really is for the whole equestrian. Yeah, and we try to keep it, like, you know, like, obviously, I always have, like, a general idea of the lecture I want to give in my head like sports psychology concepts are pretty like overarching in that way but it's really fun because it's really interactive and we let everyone like share their experiences or like I'll say like okay so like this is something that happened like tell me how it happened to you and mm -hmm. it's just like it's really fun to get everyone involved in that because mm -hmm. like having like a space again community like having a space where you can hear someone else have like a same struggle to you or a struggle that you're not having like it really makes you feel more connected to your fellow equestrians absolutely absolutely and I think too like hearing because I'm sure you get or you know will get as these grow like a, a a range of riders right so you'll get someone who's maybe just starting out hearing those struggles from someone who is like running prelim and oh my god that's those jumps are crazy big right and mm -hmm. so that's sort of inspiring too i think to those people who are just starting out absolutely and comforting absolutely and even like hearing um like I'll, I'll pull emily into the conversation because you know someone who's just run around their first novice to hear someone that you know emily uses some of the mental techniques that i teach all the time in her four stars like connecting to her breath trying to breathe and it's like look like it's it's the same it's just like training a horse like it's it's going to be the same from the beginning to the end it's just different layers of complexity are added to the situation yeah. and i think yeah. building the basics you know like learning these techniques building those basics then you can again like 
add to those as you move up, but it's all the underlying, it's all the same, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, it is. Um, well, I guess, so, do, do you expect anything from riders who show up? Like, are you kind of, you know, just hoping that they have an open mind or are you really hoping that they walk away with, you know, eight new skills or, um, yeah, I guess sort of what are the, what are the expectations? Yeah, I think open mind is definitely the, the biggest. And we've talked about this on the podcast quite a lot is like a beginner's mind you know, so even if you've been riding for your whole life and, like, you're coming to this clinic, like, just kind of, especially with some of the concepts that we're teaching, like, just come in and be prepared to, like, learn and take it all in and then let go whatever doesn't serve you. You know, if, if someone gets one really valuable thing from our clinic, I think that's great. Like, obviously, we would like them to get more than that, but, like, if you can walk away with one powerful message, technique, something like that, um, then I think we've done our job. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, and we always actually start off our clinic too by say by by asking everyone what what their expectations for the clinic are, so that we know, you know, like if if we aren't covering something that's wanted like you know usually we can go back and talk to each other and and improvise and make sure that we're really meeting the needs of who whoever is in attendance yeah yeah and we do cap the clinic at like 12 riders each day just so that we can give some of that individualized attention um because we want them to feel like they they get what they're hoping to get out of it Absolutely. Um, can I ask each of you for sort of an example of what you would do in your more individual sessions? So Tyler, I'm, I'm super interested to know what like a sort of mental toughness training exercise or, you know, one-on-one session would look like, um, without giving too much of it away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep so, trade secrets. Surprise. <laughs> um, so I start I start by trying to get to know someone and like kind of how they operate mentally because like obviously there are concepts that are general but the application to each individual person is based on personality. Um, so you know oftentimes someone will say, well I have like a real mental block with ditches, and then I kind of ask um, questions to see if I can get to the bottom of you know okay like where did this problem with ditches come from or you know break that down in in one way and obviously like one session is not like a huge amount of time so my goal is to give them something again that they can walk away with and put into practice right away so Mm -hmm. if I can isolate some sort of negative thought pattern or negative thinking that I can give them some advice to transition into a more positive um, thought pattern and you know because a lot of a lot of sports psychology is is mostly the way that you look at things um, and appraising situations in 
a positive manner instead of a negative manner. So again, it's the sessions are really going to depend on the individual. I've got a lot of tricks up my sleeve as far as that's concerned. I'm still obviously a, a rookie myself and I'm, I'm, you know, continuing my education every day working in my doctoral program, but um, definitely it, it's a, it's a fun experience for me too, to, to hear how different people see different situations and just kind of interjecting and say, okay, well, you know, you're blaming your horse right there, but maybe, you know, we can look at some factors that you can control and just kind of open their eyes in that regards. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and Emily, what sort of, cause I'm assuming that the riding and maybe incorrectly assuming, but I'm assuming that the riding portion sort of maybe tests out a little bit of what you've worked on. So what sorts of exercises do you? Um, yeah. So as far as exercises go, I always like to start just with like, um, well, I guess I should say that for this clinic, like all of the riding is going to be jumping. I do, you know, obviously teach dressage too, but just in this setup with the number of people, like a group jumping lesson is what we're going to do. So, um, anyway, I always like to start with like a simple, but not easy exercise. If you know what I mean, like that. I get that. Yeah. yeah. So um, something that's going to test the horse's rideability and how the riders can react, and then I can kind of base things off of that. And again, I try to do to incorporate some concept that we've done earlier in the day um, during our discussions. You know, if people are having problems, obviously, I'm. I'm not as experienced in Tyler on like the mental side of things, but um, yeah. I can at least kind of guide them and be like, if they're getting frustrated with an exercise, because again, some of those simple but not easy exercises um, <laughs> trigger some emotions in people. So, um, you know, kind of going back to things that we talked about earlier and trying to have them tap into like their breath or the feel of the horse if things aren't going well, or even if they're going well. Um, so just doing that and then building on that exercise, um, as we raise the jumps or, you know, get into actual coursework, but that's kind of sure. how I like to set it up. Yeah. No, I think that's interesting that, you know, I think there are a lot of, um, clinics that you go to where clinicians try maybe not to rock the boat. Right. And yeah. you're sitting here saying, I'm in a way trying to trigger those those emotions those reactions yeah. um i think that's like super interesting and probably really really helpful for riders yeah and like i don't want to undo everything but no like, I no, just no, wanna... no. <laughs> yeah. maybe we should have um them ride with emily and then come to me and yeah, then... <laughs> yeah maybe we need to change the setup of that yeah exactly They're like tyler emily made me do this awful exercise and i just I'm just like, Tyler, you need to fix me. I have a big <laughs> tissue box. I'm like, I'm sorry, Emily's the worst. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this clinic with her. Um, but I try to challenge my students while encouraging them. You know, like I. Yeah. That's kind of my style. So. Um, I think that's where growth happens. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You've got to push a little bit past your comfort zone to get better. Yep. 
Um, Are you sure you're not studying sports psychology? Oh, well, I'm just, like, absorbing it. <laughs> yeah, it's by osmosis, I yes. think, from yeah. spending time with you, Tyler. Yeah. It's inevitable, you know. Well, that's probably a good thing. Isn't that cool? You could, like, be passively sports psychologizing people. Oh, for sure, yeah. Without um, actually having to get my doctorate. So yeah. <laughs> so, what... Do both of you enjoy about teaching in a clinic setting? And Tyler, I'm interested to hear because you um, did a whole clinic series sort of on your own before this collaboration got started. So what what do you guys enjoy about that versus sort of normal one-on-one teaching? And um, what might be different about clinic teaching versus at home? Um, yeah, I think it's like, for, for me, like, I I do a little bit of, like, one-on-one consulting um, as far as, like, sports psychology is concerned at home. And obviously, like, it's, it's much different working with one person. And I think I touched on the concept a little bit earlier of, like, having a group that, like, you can really just, like, share the experience with. Because, um, actually, Emily and I have talked about this, like, most of my best information is when someone asks me a question and I get to work on the fly. Like, I'm kind of good in those, like, under pressure situations of, like, I have this thing and, like, my brain immediately goes back to some research article that I've read or some concept that I'm like, ooh, that's exactly what applies here. And it's not necessarily, like, okay, like, I'm just here to, like, read you um, this information off this slide presentation that I had. No, I get, like, really lit up in these situations where I can feel like I'm connecting with someone and pulling some sort of concept from, you know, the hours and hours that I've spent with my nose in books. Like, it it feels like it pays off when I get to think on my feet like that. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty impressive under pressure let me tell you <laughs> and no two days or two clinics will be the same because like it depends on who's in the clinic and what kind of questions they're asking and what the group's interested in so Tyler's really great in that situation that's awesome yeah um and yeah Emily you you obviously have you know clients that your home base and clients that you've taught sort of at home, what for you is different about teaching in a clinic setting? Um, well, you know, obviously most people that I'm teaching in a clinic setting, I don't have a lot of history with. So, which is kind of fun because it's a new horse and new rider and it's, it's kind of like figuring out a puzzle, you know, what's going to be the best way to bring greatness out of these, this pair um and also in clinics I think sometimes it feels a bit more rewarding because if I've done my job right like I should see a big difference from start to finish of a ride um you know that's not always the case but like I tend to see that in a clinic where I can see a noticeable difference start to finish where when you're working with a student on a regular basis, you know, and you teach them several times a week, the change is there, but it's a lot smaller. Um, well, this is sort of a fun one, and I actually expect you guys to have, like, really cool answers for this. So what is sort of the best advice that you have followed so far in your careers, um, recognizing that you're both very young? But very experienced. <laughs> Tyler, you want to start this one out? Okay. Um, you know, 
I think you went along with um in in the notes like notable mentors that like kind of helped us along the way and um for me like one of the most groundbreaking experiences that I had was when Cat Hill came to the farm that I was working at and gave a world-class grooming for horses clinic because here I was I had my undergraduate degree in animal science and equine business management and I had two days of information that I was just like holy crap I know none of this and like no one's ever taught me to think about horses on this level I didn't know that like you know eventing existed at like this caliber and like I want to go there um like I you know I had always wanted to I went to Rolex and I was feeling inspired but definitely like everything that I learned in that clinic really like spearheaded my career and actually part of the reason that I went to go work for Dr. Kevin Keen was in the world-class grooming for horses clinic there's like one blip on one side of one photo where Kat says I worked for Kevin some winters at Aiken and like learning the veterinary side of it really like helped my grooming career so like I literally went to go work for Kevin because like of this little piece of this book uh, that I got after the clinic that I went to um but I'd also just say that like my dad is a huge influence on where I've become like I, I, I think I said in my intro when I knew I wanted to do horses for life, he took, he took, flew me to Ohio and he was like, I think this is where you should go to school. I think you should graduate early. Um, and he's, he's always encouraged me when I had really rough days at the barn or like, you know, problems with business. Um, because my dad's a really good businessman. He's like, you know what, just put your head down. Don't sweat the small stuff work work and um I, I I really got my work ethic from him and just kind of the mindset of put your head down work be good make connections and like that's that's what will take you where you want to go and it really has yeah that's awesome that's so cool that that cat sort of <laughs> transformed your thinking and all along the way your dad was like I got you yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's awesome yeah. So going along um, with the notable yeah. mentors, um, I would definitely have to say my mom has been my biggest supporter, cheerleader, um, person who leads by example. Like she's just an amazing woman, um, and she's always just encouraged me to do what makes me happy, and the money will follow. And as scary as that sounds sometimes, especially when you're actually an adult, um, it's always, it always works out, you know? Like, if you do what you love and, like, you're authentic about it and you put yourself out there, like, the universe works in your favor. Um, so, and she's taught me to have an amazing work ethic and just to be kind. And she's pretty awesome, so that's going to be... <laughs> my my biggest mentor but obviously you know working for philip for a lot of years taught me the the riding skills and all of that that is also needed in my career um yeah and, and he's been wonderful and really showed me how to make it at the upper levels and what's needed to really um have high performance horses so yep that's been great and then as far as I think you asked something about um a piece of advice that you've got yeah um yeah. one of my really good friends Maxine right before I went to go work for Philip she said to me she's like because my life was a bit in turmoil right 
then like when I was in Kentucky, it's a long story, we don't need to get into it, but like <laughs> it was just a big change and I'd had my own business in Kentucky and as amazing as it was to go work for Philip, I was basically going from like doing my own thing to like starting back at the bottom. And I was, I was game, you know, I wanted to do it. I knew that that's like what I needed to do to get where I wanted to go. Um, but anyway, my friend Maxine, she just said, she's like, okay, Emily, if you're going to do this, you need to commit 100%. Um, you know, like if you go in at 50%, like you're not, it, it's the move across the country and all of this stuff, like it's not going to work out. Like you've got to just give it at least a year and just commit. And so I did, and then it worked out and I just kept going. So yeah, that's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, it sounds like you are able to connect with the right people, like the people who you need in your life at the right time, you know? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a believer um, in that. So yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think are sort of the best ways to balance, like, I think both of you are very ambitious, um, to say the least. And so what are the ways to balance those ambitions and those goals with the realities of the horse world? Um, I think number one, like, you just have to have, like, a really great team. Like, mm -hmm. you've got to have people that are going to stand behind you. I know Emily, as a professional, she needs to make sure that, like, her staff are behind her. There's obviously, like, someone's got to be taking care of the horses 100% of the time, but it doesn't have to be you 100% of the time. So to be able to have, like, a really solid team and group of people that you can trust to be like okay like you know like this weekend I am going to do other things um so maybe someone has to step up the, to the plate a little bit more right now um but you, you always have to pay that favor back and be that person that comes in and be like okay like now it's your turn and I'm going to do you know the work on a Sunday when I don't really want to work on this Sunday but you know you you get to do something fun with your with your own life now too and I think like just like being really realistic about it that like you can you can really have I, I say this a lot on our podcast you can have anything you want you just can't have everything you want so like if you can focus <laughs> in on like the really important things that you want to do with your life like there's always going to be a way a, a way to make it a possibility like I definitely feel at some bits I'm like oh my god what am I doing I'm trying to be a professional groom while I'm getting my doctorate degree like that's crazy that's insane but like I have such a great group of people behind me that like believe in me and honestly I'm, I'm the kind of person that it keeps me fresh being able to have all that on my schedule like I'm I'll be at work and I'll learn something at work that I'm like oh I need to learn more about this so let me like dive into some research via my doctorate or I'll learn something in my doctoral program that I'm like oh like that applies to work this way and that's just how my brain works personally um and I think that have having a lot of interest is great and always tying them together to keep yourself fresh and energized and excited about life. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that's, I mean, that's, that's really, really true. Um, Emily, did you have anything to sort of add there? Um, I mean, she did a pretty good job answering that, <laughs> but, um, I will kind of build on the, you know, when you have a good group behind you that you can trust with, 
stuff so you can actually take time for yourself. Then you can have other interests besides horses, and I think that that is very important. Um, you know, horses are fabulous, and like, yes, our lives revolve around them in some, in most ways. But you have to have other interests because it, you know. Horses are heartbreakers sometimes, and if all of your everything is put into that and you don't have anything else to go to, I think it can be um, more devastating. Whereas if you have some other outlets for your energy and some other interests and hobbies, um, that can just keep you going during the hard times, right? So that, yeah. yeah. Um, and so what for you guys are, I, I think both of you are sort of, lifelong learners from the sound of it and we're very passionate about continuing to discover stuff but what are your very basic hobbies like well how do you guys sort of distract yourselves on on tough days or you know Tyler <laughs> well I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu oh. which <laughs> You know, there's nothing that quite, like, really gets the steam off, like, strangling your friends. Um, so that's, yeah, that's my hobby, for sure. I have not gotten into that, nor let her try that. I'm trying me. to get Emily nope. into it, because, like, it's really, um, it's, like, to Emily, she she sees the fighting side of it, because I'm like, okay, what is jujitsu? You're basically trying to choke someone or bend their uh, joint in an opposite direction but there's so much sports psychology behind the sport and that's what I really like about it like there's flow components there's body language components what I which I feel relate back to my work with horses um, like postural components even I was just at a biomechanics course for horses this past weekend like learning more things about um, how to keep your horse sound through the way that it moves and all of the biomechanics principles I was like oh that relates back to my jujitsu and um, so yeah that's well, it's all connected. And I, I also love to cook um, and cook for my friends. And that's my other like big hobby is just cooking and eating and enjoying food with people. Yeah. Um, awesome. I, I'm more into the Zen activities. <laughs> I like <laughs> yoga. Um, not so much beating people up. Jiu-jitsu uh, is like really intense yoga. Like I, <laughs> I bend my body in ways that I didn't know that I could just doing yoga. When someone else is bending your body in half, like you can reach limits that I can't do alone in yoga. So I'm going to get Emily to sign up eventually, but. <laughs> uh, we'll see about that. But um, yeah, I have a daily yoga practice. Um, you know, it varies every day, but I make sure that. I, that's a priority in my day, and it usually happens in the morning, um, along with some meditation, uh, and then just other hobbies that I have, um, I like, well, currently, going along with yoga, I'm taking a yoga teacher training program, so that's taking up a lot of my spare time, um, I also enjoy doing some home improvements, which my mom is in town, and we're busting some of those out um so that's fun and just getting together with friends like I try to do at least one social thing every week um just again the community aspect is huge um yeah so that's that's that cool um what sort of yoga are you studying in your teacher training um so it's primarily vinyasa mm -hmm. so um that's that's my favorite 
style. Yeah, me, me too. Because yeah. um. <laughs> I like the flow of it and like really moving with your breath and, and all of that. And I know that other um, styles have that as well, but I really enjoy the faster paced move with your breath. Yeah, that sort of I, the moving practice. meditation works really well for me. Yeah. Um, I I'm sort of a terrible yogi myself in that like I can't actually meditate or be still very well. So, but I can find that stillness in in movement. You yeah. know, um, so yeah. That's great. <laughs> you should give jujitsu a try too. I don't know, Tyler. <laughs> take like a self-defense class once when I was a kid and I couldn't even hit the man in the giant padded suit so, <laughs> so maybe not your calling <laughs> I think they were like yeah you can punch him he's wearing padding all over his body and I was like no 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 it's okay <laughs> they call me um feral Tyler at my gym that's my nickname because uh, apparently I'm just feral but <laughs> a little bit Fine. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And it's cool that you have a gym sort of like close enough to work. Oh, it's, I feel yeah, like it's a lot of the seven minutes from my house. Like, thank gosh. <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, well, I think that we've kind of moved through all of my questions. And that's a wrap guys. Thank you so much for listening to that really fun interview we had with Natasha. We want to thank her again for sitting down and taking the time to do with us once again please check out striderpro.com for any if you're hosting a clinic if you're looking to attend a clinic a schooling show horse show anything use that platform our whole equestrian clinic that's taking place on september 12th and 13th in wisconsin is up if you want to go register for that we'd love to see you there and Thank you so much for listening. In the meantime, enjoy the ride.